We now bring you the Tabernacle Pulpit Podcast, featuring the late Dr. Harold B. Seitler, founding pastor of Tabernacle Baptist Church and Ministries in Greenville, South Carolina. And now, today's edition of the Tabernacle Pulpit Podcast. Psalms 26 in your Bible, please. Now tonight, I want to speak to you on seven features of an out-and-out Christian. Seven features, or seven marks, seven characteristics. I could use either of those words, but I've chosen to use the word feature. Seven features of an out-and-out Christian, a man that sold out for the Lord and sold out to the Lord. You know, I think one of the tragedies is the fact that so many say, Lord, Lord, and they're just average, borderline, much like the, uh, the uh, pharaohs of Egypt when he said to Moses, if you must go, don't go far. Or if you must go, leave your children here in the land of Egypt. And if you must go, then uh, don't go too, too far. That would forbid you coming back down into the land of Egypt. And you'd be surprised how many people are like uh, Pharaoh suggesting. Uh, they they want to stand with the, with the people of God and the congregation of the righteous. But they're not willing to go out and out for God all the way. You remember Moses answered Pharaoh and saying, no, sir, brother. We'll make no uh, a, a treaty with you. Uh, he said, we're going all the way. We're going so far, we won't be back. And on top of that, we're not going to leave our cattle. Pharaoh said, if you must go, leave your cattle, leave your property, leave your money in the land of Egypt. Moses said, we're not going to leave our capital, our, our, our cattle and our capital, our money. We're going to carry that with us. Pharaoh said, well, leave your children. And Moses said, I want you to know we're not going to leave our children either. We're going all the way, carrying children, cattle, stocks, bonds, money, ourselves, our families, we're all leaving the land of Egypt to return no more. Thank God for the people of Israel. Then we have some Christians that are that way. They've gone all the way with the Lord and they want all the world to know that they're on God's side. I don't see anything wrong with that. Now in our day, they say that's a fanatical, narrow-minded concept of life. And that's a narrow-minded concept of religion. And you need not hold such a narrow view. I was told flat-footed one time by one of my professors in college, you are too narrow-minded. I mean, they looked me square in the eye and said that. In my soul, I didn't answer back. I wanted to pass my grade and I kept my mouth shut. But in my soul, I said, thank you, Lord. Let me be more, narrow, more narrow-minded for you. And I'm still just as narrow as I was then. Then, that's been many years ago. No, the tragedy is we have too many broad-minded Christians, in my opinion. Too many that are neither hot nor cold, on nor off, far nor against. They're just as passive as you ever saw. They stand for nothing and fall for anything. They're just average folk, you know. And they say, Lord, Lord, on Sunday, but no telling what they may say on Monday. Now, that ought not to be so. I mean that a saved by the grace of God ought to live for Jesus seven days a week, no vacation at all. Same thing everywhere you go, whether you're at home or away from home, whether you're in a good environment or bad environment, your faith ought to be the same, your grace ought to be the same, your conduct ought to be the same. When I leave Greenville, I'm not to leave my Christian conduct behind. When I say goodbye to my wife for a day or two, that doesn't mean that I'm to have license and liberty. And, and when you're away from this congregation of godly people, that doesn't mean that you're a different person, not at all. When you and I leave one another and say goodbye to our families, we're to carry the light of the grace of God everywhere we go. We're to be the same thing away or at home, not as not. 
Monday or Sunday matters not. Whether it's easy or hard matters not. Will there be the same thing everywhere we are, every day we live? Do you agree with me, brethren? That's so, whether you agree with them or not. Now, there's a lot of Baptists that wouldn't agree with me. At least by their conduct, they would not agree with me. They may give me lip service, and they may give me a lip amen, but their, their lives prove contrarywise. They live two different kinds of lies. Depends on who's looking. Depends on who's around. Depends on where they are. If the right person is looking, they can be very pious. But if they're in their own crowd, they can be very carnal. If they're in the right circumstances, they can be most upright. But if they're in some circumstances, they can almost degrade the name of our Savior in the murk of compromise and sin. Now, we don't want that at Tabernacle. God forbid a single deacon or teacher or singer or member of our church to be that kind of a person. Now, when I say amen after a while and you leave this church building, you'll go your way, I'll go mine. And a thousand other people will go their respective ways. But the last one of us, if we're genuine and out and out for God, the last one of us will live the same life when I'm away from you that I'm living now. And if we don't live the same life when we're not together as we do when we are together, then we need to do some confessing tonight. And get some things straightened out. Seven features of an out and out Christian. Let me read the psalm and then I'll point them out to you. Psalms 26 verse 1. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins in my heart. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes. And I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency. So will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house. And the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners. Nor my life with bloody men. In whose hand is mischief. And their right hand full of bribes. But as for me. I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregation will I bless the Lord. Now that's the psalm. Now may I point out to you, one, two, three, these seven features of an out-and-out, out, truly born-again, dedicated without apology, seven-day-a-week Christian, seven features. Number one, I'd remind you that a man that's out-and-out out for God will be instant to judge himself. Now in the first verse, first two verses, judge yourself like David judged himself in Psalms 51. The psalmist said, judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I will slide not. I'll not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins. Try my heart. In other words, the psalmist saying, judge me, Lord. Judge me. Turn the searchlight. Search me out, O Lord. Look deep into the secrets of my heart. Examine every chamber. Go freely into every room in my life. Examine every attitude, examine every deed, 
Examine all of my conduct. Judge me, O Lord. Now a man that's out and out for God will judge himself. Self-examination is always a healthy thing. Now the psychiatrist will tell you no. The psychiatrist will tell you that when you condemn yourself, you're hurting yourself psychologically. And you'll wind up a sick person if you judge yourself. I wouldn't give the snap of my finger for the advice of an ungodly psychiatrist. I'm frank with you. If you need counseling, I think, I think a pastor could do just about as good for you as an ungodly psychiatrist. Now, if you can find a Christian psychiatrist, that's different. A man that believes the Bible, that's different. But a man that's ungodly, a drinker, a cusser, though he may be an MD, and he may claim to be a psychiatrist, I would not go to him unless I was compelled to do so. I would not go to him freely for advice. He's not qualified to give a saint of God advice. And about the first thing he'll tell you is to stay away from church. It's not good to go to church. And you get all nervous if you go to church. And get all upset and get all confused if you go to church. Now that's a strange thing. I've been going to church all my lifetime. And I'm not a bit upset. I'm as calm as you ever saw. Don't even have any sweat on my brow. I'm not excited in the least. Not a bit nervous. That's strange. No, no. The fact is, uh, thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. That's what the Bible said. And I'd rather trust the word of God than the word of a smart, unbelieving psychiatrist any day in the week. Now, I'm not playing down the MD. And I would not discount the value of skilled, learned men, but I'm trying to magnify the virtue of God's word. That's what I'm trying to do. Now, if a man loves God, I'd sit with him and let him advise me all he wants to advise me. Let him help me all he can help me. But if a man's a blasphemer and a cuss and a drinker, you think I'm going to sit down with him and let him advise me? Not on your life. I believe I'd just go to my pastor. It'd be a lot cheaper. And I believe I could do you just about as much good. Honestly, I believe I could do you just about as much good counseling with you as a psychiatrist can if he's an ungodly unbeliever. He doesn't know your heart. He doesn't know your way. He doesn't know your faith. He doesn't know how you live. How can he counsel you when you are a new creature in the Lord and he's still dead in sins and in trespasses? No, it's good for you to judge yourself in spite of what the psychiatrist may say. The psychiatrist may tell you not to even judge your children. Don't whip little Johnny. If you whip little Johnny, you'll twist his personality. And you'll frustrate him. Now, when I was a boy, I, didn't, I never heard that word. I was a grown man before I ever heard the word frustrate used. And I was a grown man before I ever knew what it meant. My dad didn't know anything about that. He didn't worry about frustrating my personality and twisting my personality. Brother, he straightened me out a time or two in the old-fashioned way, and I haven't gotten over until this day. Spare the rod and spoil the child, said God. Now, who are you going to believe, the psychiatrist or God? I believe I'll take God's word at it, brother. My dad did. Now, I don't think he did me too much damage. I thank God for him and reverence him with all of my soul. No, you judge yourself. It'll not twist your personality. It's good for you to examine your heart. And that's exactly what the psalmist said. Examine me, O Lord. Try my reins. Try my heart. Measure the spiritual fervency of my soul, my inward being. See how I stand. Judge me, said the psalmist in verses 1 and 2. Now I hope that many of you will do that tonight as you sit in this church. 
Examine your own personal holiness in the light of, and the standard of the Bible. Examine your attitude in the light and standard of the Bible. Examine your prayer life in the light and standard of the Bible. Examine your compassion and fervency to win souls in the light and standard of the Bible. Examine your tithing and your giving in the light and standard of the Bible. Examine yourself while you sit on these pews now. An out-and-out Christian will open his heart and say, Lord, search me. And if you're the Christian you ought to be, when God puts his finger on the thing in your life that's wrong, you'll confess up to it. You'll not deny it. Neither will you excuse it. Nor will you try to justify it. If God puts his finger on some act or attitude or deed in your life and God says that's wrong, if you're the Christian you ought to be, you'll agree and put it out of your life. By the grace of God. An out and out Christian will judge himself. The preaching of God's word produces holiness in the lives of those that hear the word of God preached. And one reason we're no more holy than we are is not because the Bible fails and the preaching of God's word doesn't accomplish what God planned that it accomplished, but the reason is that we're not willing to face up and judge ourselves. When the preacher shovels it out to you, you shovel it over your shoulder to somebody behind you. And you say, he's not talking to me. That's for somebody else. That's not for me. And you'll never live the Christian life that you want to live with that kind of attitude. Judge yourself like David in Psalms 51 when he said, I have sinned, O God, creating me a clean heart. Against thee and thee only have I transgressed and done this terrible thing. Purged me, said David, wash me from my guilt. He judged himself, didn't he, did he not? In Psalms 51. And every out and out Christian will judge himself. Number two. An out and out Christian will trust in the Lord like Job. Now in the first verse, uh, the psalmist said, I have trusted also the Lord. Therefore shall I not slide. I'm trusting the Lord. Therefore I shall stand. Now an out and out Christian will stand for God and trust the Lord just like Job. I don't suppose any person in all the canon and pages of God's word had as good opportunity to deny the Lord as did Job. Everything went wrong. Everything turned out bad. And uh, you remember how God turned the devil loose upon Job? And the devil tried Job and tempted Job, took his ten children, all of his cattle, all swept away. And then the devil afflicted Job from the top of his head to the bottom of his foot. And with a terrible, incurable sore. And Job sat beside the highway, waiting until he could die. It would have been an act of mercy had he died. And there he sat in sackcloth and ash in that pitiful, corrupt, vile condition. Three of his friends came by with the same refrain, you've sinned, you're not right, you're a hypocrite. If you're right with God, God would not allow you to suffer like you have. And all three of his friends judged him and condemned him. But they didn't shake Job. And then to climax the tragedy, his wife came by and said, pitiful sight you are. All ten of our children are gone. Our cattle are swept away. We're poor, we're in poverty now. And look at you. Soar from the top of your head to the bottom of your foot. And that woman said, why don't you curse God and die? God hadn't been good. I can't take any more, she said. Curse God and get out of your misery. Curse God and die. But not Job. 
he trusted God and he said, foolish woman, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And he said, the day will come when you'll come and find my body slumped over in death and you'll pick my body up and carry and bury me beside the, the dead bodies of my 10 children. And the worms will devour what flesh I have upon my bones. But he said, I know my redeemer liveth and someday in my flesh I'm going to see my redeemer. And though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Now an out and out Christian will trust the Lord under any circumstances. Now when you turn to, turn to man and turn to yourself, turn to reason, human reason, human arm, lean upon a human arm, you're not being the trustful and faithful Christian that God wants you to be. There have been times when I didn't know the way out. There have been dilemmas that I could not solve. There have been circumstances over which I had no control. There have been situations that I could not, I could not deliver myself from. And I had to resort, had to resort to the Lord. And an out and out Christian will always do that. The world can't help me. The world doesn't talk my language. The world can't help me. They can't supply my need. The world can't sympathize with me. They don't know the trying of my faith and the test of my grace. The world has nothing for me. But in my affliction, I cried to God. In the dark night, I trusted in the Lord. In the valley experience, I trust in the Lord. In the mountaintop, I trust in the Lord. When I'm hungry, I trust in the Lord. When I'm sick, I trust in the Lord. In life, in death, I trust in the Lord. He's my deliverer and shall always be. And I look not to the government, nor to the president, nor to the welfare, nor to the human arm, not to the human strength, but I'm looking to God. And now not Christian will give God the glory. I was talking to Brother Floyd a while ago. He carried him to the hospital, and the doctor said, you've got a bad gallbladder, and you're bleeding on the inside, and that blood, uh, the contaminated blood is getting into your uh, bloodstream, and you're going to die. Something's not done, they suggested to Floyd. You're going to have to have that thing removed. And Floyd has had one heart attack after another. And even the doctors were reluctant to operate upon a man that's had several heart attacks. And they, they put it off, put it off. We prayed. And the doctors came back and said, something happened. Something's happened. The doctor said, we don't know what's happened. They made x-rays and said, your gallbladder's as clear and as good as it can be. Something's happened, the doctors had to say. Amen. I said, now, Floyd, I don't know what happened. I'm not a doctor. And I've never seen your gallbladder. I wouldn't know it if I saw it. <laughs> but I said, let's give God the glory. What do you say? <laughs> Amen. Amen. I don't think the devil's going to do a thing like that. Let's give God the glory. And he said, Amen. He does give God the glory. Trust in the Lord. Look to the Lord. He's able to supply our needs, you see. And an out and out Christian will lean on God when the way is hard. You'll not lean upon our friends, our enemies, our money, our circumstances, but you'll call on the Lord. And you'll not be ashamed of it either. No, no. Brother James is in the hospital, and James had a, a bad bleeding condition. The doctor said, you've got uh, some problem wrong with your kidneys. And they were fixing to operate on Brother James. And he was all worried. His family was all worried. I was worried, anxious about him. Went by and had prayer for Brother James. And they had already fixed up everything to operate on him. Got to operate on him. You'll die if that bleeding is not stopped. But all of a sudden, the bleeding stopped. And it so happened that I was in the room when the doctor came by. 
And he's told Brother James, everything's all right. He said, I don't understand, but everything's all right. Brother James understands, I understand. We talked it over with Jesus. We're giving God the glory. Amen? Amen. An out and out Christian will trust in the Lord. Oh, but you say, preacher, all oh, that's a series of accidents. I'm a candidate for an accident like that in the day in the week. Amen? Yes, sir. Those are good accidents, to say the least. If you just determine not to give God the glory, I'm going to give him the glory. Amen. You say, well, it's an accident. We'll chalk it up to an accident. We'll chalk it up to providence. No, I'm going to give it credit to God's account. Amen. An out and out Christian will do that. Give God the glory. I was in the hospital not long ago and with this kid in the problem and they made x-rays and the doctor said, come by on a certain date and we'll give you the report of the x-rays. And I went by his office, and they carried me into his office and set me down. I waited, and 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 I waited. I think sometimes doctors think they're the only person's busy. And I just kept waiting and waiting. And after a while, he stuck his head in the door and said, everything's all right. That's all he said. I mean, just four or five words, and I spent a day in the hospital making x-rays. And I let him stick my arm and all the other things that goes along with it. And only heard him say about five words. I thought that was unfair. At least he could sit down with me and held my pulse and talk to me a minute or two. <laughs> give me a little bit of consolation. All he said was, everything's all right. And, and started to walk out. I was determined not to let him get by with it. And I said, hallelujah. <laughs> he looked over his shoulder back at me as if he had a nut on his hand. Sure enough. I guess he's got a nut on his hand. I'm going to give God the credit, God the glory. If you ever have a kidney stone and the doctor says, all right, you don't say hallelujah all to brother. I'll mark that down. Yes, sir. Uh, an out and out Christian to give God the glory. No, no, no accidents. God directs our, our pathway. He supplies our needs. He helps us in our infirmities. He blesses us when we need a blessing. He supplies my need. He stands by me in the dark places and the hard places of this life. And I'm going to give God credit for that. Amen. He walks with me and talks with me and tells me I'm his own. And I can't understand that. When God begins to whisper to me and tell me he's, uh, I'm his own and he's near me and loves me and blesses me, I can hardly keep my seat. I'm not going to say, now, wife, what's wrong with me? No, no. I'm not going to say, deacon, what's wrong with me? I think I know what's wrong with me. God's blessing me. God's warming my heart. And an out and out Christian to give God the glory. God's real. The psalmist said, the Lord is. Brother, he's not a has-been. The Lord is. And he went on to say, the Lord is my shepherd, not grandmama's. He's my shepherd. Not daddy's, he's my shepherd. My religion is real to me as my breath is to me. And this gospel I preach is so real to me until I get excited like I'm excited now. And people feel sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for me, brother. I feel it in my soul, amen. And it's real, it's blessed. An out and out Christian will trust in the Lord. Give God the glory. See, I never have felt that way. If you'll give God the glory, you may feel that way, brother. God's not going to give you a blessing unless you give a doctor the praise. God's not going to give you a blessing unless you give somebody else the praise. But if you'll give God the praise, don't tell him what he may do. He may warm your heart and bless your soul and revive you. And out and out Christians are not ashamed to say, thank you, Lord. I told these boys the other day, I came out here to the church, 
And I uh, was up in the library, and the library here in our Christian Day School is so wonderful. Beautiful shelving, many, many volumes of beautiful books, good books, valuable books. Brother Bruce Kelly and his wife have bought many, many books and donated them to our library. Wonderful library. And, and I said, Brother, Brother Aiken, and Brother French, thank the Lord. And I said, don't fail to thank the Lord. And I got to thinking about the blessings of God the other day. And I said, thank you, Lord, so much. Until this thought, now don't think I'm silly. If you think I'm silly, just go ahead and think it. But this thought came to me. I think I'll write God a note and say, thank you, Father. Just give him a note. <laughs> that may be kind of silly and childish and naive and sentimental. Let it be what you may. I felt that way. I'm grateful. Thank you, Lord. If I can't say it, maybe I can write it sometimes in a note. And let the Holy Ghost deliver it to heaven. An out and out Christian to give God the praise like old Job. Though he slay me, I'm going to trust in the Lord. And then number three, an out and out Christian will walk in truth. Verse three, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth, in the light, in the word. An out and out Christian will walk in truth like David. David's delight was in the law of the Lord, and in God's law did he meditate both day and night. It was David's delight to be able to say, I've tasted of the Lord and found him to be my satisfying potion. Amen. David walked in truth, and you and I, if we're out and out Christian, will walk in truth. Thy loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. And it ought to be that way. Walking day by day in the light. All right, Mrs. Turner, you go right ahead and shout. I'll let you shout anytime you want to. That tabernacle, bless you. <laughs> Amen. 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 I'll walk in truth. An out and out Christian walks in truth. I may read the newspapers. I may listen to the radio. And I may read books. And I may study this or the other. But my friend, the light of my path is this book. And I want all the world to know that. And if I study biology and that biology book doesn't say what the Bible says, I'm going to believe the Bible. If I study history and that history doesn't say what the Bible says, I'm going to believe the Bible. If I study philosophy and that philosophy doesn't par with the Bible, I'm going to take the Bible. You say, you're a fanatic. You're getting the point. That's right. All the way. Out and out Christian. Out and out Christian. But you're not intellectual. You can never be intellectual. That kind of an attitude. I, I don't care about being intellectual, but I do want to be faithful to the Lord. When I come to die, and someday I will, I want everybody that comes into this auditorium to meet at, at my funeral. They may have been my enemy. They may have cussed me and abused me and misunderstood me and lied about me. But I want everybody that comes to my funeral or reads about my death in newspapers to say one thing. That man believed in God. He believed the Bible. Amen, I do. I delight in the truth of God. I believe the truth of God. I believe this book. And then number four, an out and out Christian will separate himself. Look at verse four and five. The psalmist said, I will not sit with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers, that's troublemakers. I have hated all the congregation of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. Amen. We need that in Greenville tonight, don't we, among Baptist people. I don't think God's people ought to sit down with the vain and with the evildoers 
and with troublemakers and with the wicked. No, we are to live holy and clean and dedicated and separated from everything of the world. Separated like Moses. And there came a time in the life of Moses when he had to choose to suffer the affliction of the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Separated, clean and dedicated. Now sometimes when you separate yourself, some people will misunderstand you. And some will say, well, you're a Pharisee. You think you're better than we are. You think you're holier than we are, don't you? Folks say that. You've heard that a thousand times. It's not that I think I'm better than anybody. I'm not good enough to go to heaven. I'm going by grace and not by goodness. But there's some people I don't sit down with. And if that's true, I make the most of it. How in the world could I sit down with troublemakers and evildoers? How in the world could I sit down with a, a bunch of vile, vain babblers and cussers and profane men? How can you do that? What communion hath light in darkness? What concord hath light in darkness? How can two walk together except they agreed? How can you sing the little chorus we sang a moment ago? Jesus loves me, this I know. And at the same time, sit down with cussers and profane unbelievers. It can't be done. You'll compromise. You'll get cold as sure as you sit down with their own crowd. Now, we're to be separated people. There's some places that are off limits at Tabernacle. There's some places our people don't go and can't go. There's some things we don't do and can't do. There's some modern modes of dress, dress that we can't patronize. There's some standards by this generation that we dare not embrace. We must be different. And I think an out-and-out -out Christian is different. I think you ought to live different on the job. The boss man ought to know that you're a good, dedicated church member. Saved by the grace of God. The men you work with on the job ought to know that. By the words you say, by the things you do, by the attitude of your heart. They ought to know that you're right with God. Separated. There can be no drinking, no cussing, no gambling. In our day, most everybody drinks, they tell me. I hear that on the radio. I, read, I, read, uh, I heard on the radio, read in the, in the newspaper rather, that over at Charlotte, They've decided to sell liquor by the drink now. It wasn't satisfied with the liquor stores and the bare joints. Now you can buy mixed drinks over the counter, over the bar. Uh, up in Charlotte, they voted to, uh, to do it. Looks like this world's determined to destroy themselves with liquor. But they say, everybody drinks! I want to have a little survey right here now. There's a thousand people in this auditorium. How many folk in this building do not drink? Lift up your hand. I wish the world could see that. They wouldn't put that in the newspaper. Here's a thousand people in this auditorium that don't drink. And I mean, not even cocktails, no mixed drinks, no beer, no wine. When we was overseas, I was one of the uh, tour hosts in our trip overseas. And, and those folk overseas get the idea that everybody drinks wine, you know. And we sat down at a nice table in a nice hotel. And the chef brought out a, a quart bottle of wine and set it at my plate. <laughs> and I guess the finest wine you can buy. He was trying to be charitable and kind and courteous. So we insulted him, I suppose. Because not one of us in that tour even touched that bottle of wine. 
He said it in my plate as the host, and he figured I would use it and pass it to my friends and to the members of my tour group. Not one of us touched that bottle of wine. Was you there that day, brother? Well, not one of us touched it. It sat there the whole meal. And we got up and left the, the hotel and left the bottle of wine standing right, sitting right where he put it. Now, not everybody uses wine. Not everybody drinks now. The newspapers seem to think so. And the uh, statistics you read in the newspapers seem to think so. But here's a thousand people right here that doesn't. And there's a lot of other people that doesn't. You're looking at a man that's never drank a can of beer in his life. You're looking, I'm not glorying in myself. I glory in the goodness of God. But I've never drank a cocktail or, or, or drink a whiskey in my life. And don't plan to start. Amen. Amen. Craziest thing I've ever heard of a man drink. Most absurd, most silly, most foolish thing in the world. Why in the world would a man drink a can of beer when he can get a milkshake? That's not good sense, is it? You can buy a milkshake for the same price. Take a nut to buy a can of beer instead of a milkshake for the same price. And you can buy two or three milkshakes for, for a pint of whiskey or a quart of whiskey. Or maybe more than two or three, I guess. Take a foolish man to buy whiskey when you can get milkshakes and far better for you. And a lot of other things, fruit juices, pineapple juice and so on. And good juices that'll help you be strong and healthy. When liquor makes you die of cirrhosis of the liver, looks like some people are just determined to die of cirrhosis of the liver. I stood at the bedside of men swollen twice their normal size. Their whole body twice their normal size. Cirrhosis of the liver. Made that way because of years of constant drinking until their livers rotted on the inside and they died prematurely. I don't want that, brother. If the Lord be pleased, I'd like to live to be three score and ten. I'd like to go to heaven in pretty good shape. I don't want to go to heaven with cirrhosis of the liver. I'd rather die just, the Bible says, and he died, and he died. I want to die that way, just simply die. Live my days gone, just die. I don't want my body to be contaminated up with that kind. No, I'm saying that an out-and-out -out Christian will be separated and clean and dedicated. You lay aside the things of the world. The filthiness of this world you don't engage in if you're out and out for God. Now, I know that's the narrow way, and it's not the popular way. And I know some Baptists don't agree with what I'm saying, but I think what I'm saying is so. The psalmist said, I will not sit with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. The psalmist said, I have hated the congregation of evildoers. The psalmist said, I will not sit with the wicked like Moses. The psalmist said, I'll stand for God and God's people. Then next. An out-and-out out Christian will testify. In verse 7, the psalmist said, That I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. The psalmist said, I want all my life to be characterized by talking Jesus, telling of his wondrous works. You know, actually, that's what the Bible basically is, telling of the wondrous works of God. You know, this Bible records some tremendous miracles, doesn't it? I mean, miracles with a capital M. And, and, and the Word of God tells the wonders of God. And I think all of God's people ought to testify as to the wonders of God, the might of God, the power of God, the salvation of God. My conversation ought to be yea and nay, except it be about Jesus. And I decided a long time ago I wasn't going to carry on a conversation 
except I can talk about the Lord. And if I can't talk about the Lord somewhere in that conversation, I won't say anything. That's not being sociable in the standard of some people, but I think that's being scriptural. An out-and-out -out Christian will testify. Some way, somehow, he's going to testify. Some way, he must testify. Like the young man born blind whom the Savior healed. His parents and his relatives tried to reason the thing out. And the scribes and Pharisees tried to explain what happened to him. And the more they tried to reason, the more they tried to explain, the more sure that young boy knew that a miracle had happened. And finally, after all of their explaining and their, their discouragement, he said, this one thing I know, once I was blind, now see. You can't explain that. You can't explain that away, can you? He testified. And an out-and-out Christian will testify. Now, the last one of us in this building ought to testify tomorrow some way, some way, somewhere. We must testify tomorrow. If you can't testify as freely with your lips as you'd love to, why don't you get your little lapel pin that says Jesus saves and put it on your coat? Nothing wrong with that, is it? We've got a little sticker over here on the book table. Nicest little thing you ever saw for the back window of your automobile says Jesus saves in beautiful silver color. Real beautiful. I have one on my car. And I don't put any kind of sticker on the back of my car because I've got that, and I want that to have the preeminence. I'm afraid if I put something else, it would take from that testimony. If you don't have one in your car, you ought to get one. 25 cents, just a small investment, but oh, how loud it speaks. Every time you pass an automobile, Jesus says, some way you must testify. We have tracks here on the platform. If you don't have tracks in your pocket and tracks in your pocketbook, get them tonight. And tomorrow when you use the telephone booth, leave one in the booth. Tomorrow when you go to the doctor, put one in the chair when you get up. Tomorrow when you, when you mail a bill, put it in the envelope. Mail them to Duke Power Company. They need it up there, I guess. <laughs> mail it every time you pay a bill. Mail it! Leave a trail of gospel tracks behind you everywhere you go. Preacher, somebody will get the idea I'm a fanatic if I do that. I wouldn't be at all surprised. But I think we ought to do that. Don't you think so? And every time you can, I think you ought to say something. Say something for the Savior. Say something for the Lord. I think that's one of the weakest points in many of our lives. I'm preaching to some of you right now. And it's been so long since you bore a witness until you'd be ashamed to tell me how long it's been since you said something for Jesus. Somewhere. To an unsaved person. Now, it ought not to be that way, folks. I'm talking about an out-and-out -out Christian. I think you ought to talk it on the job and say something about Jesus. If you find it difficult to say something, why don't you sing something? There's no law against singing on the job. And you could sing that little chorus we sang a while ago, couldn't we? Jesus loves me, this I know. I think I could sing that. You could sing that. If you can't sing, why don't you whistle? No law against whistling. You can whistle some golden daybreak like Brother Bobby sang a while ago. You can't sing it like he did, but you can whistle the melody of it. I say, I, I find this to be true. Sometimes when you start whistling on the job, first thing you know, there's a dozen people around you whistling. And they'll pick up the same tune. Sing some good old familiar whisper, whistle some good old familiar song, and some cusser may start whistling it or singing it. And you're bearing a witness and a testimony by so doing. Some way, some way, an out-and-out -out Christian will testify. 
You can't keep his mouth shut. You can't put him in jail. You can't threaten him. You can't stop him. He's got to tell it. He's like Jeremiah. It burns in his soul. And you can't withhold. You can't restrain. You've got to tell it somewhere. Some way, somehow, you've got to tell it. An out-and-out Christian will testify. Then two other things. An out-and-out Christian will love the house of God. Verse 8. The psalmist said, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house. And I have loved the place where thine honor dwelleth. Love the house of God like Jesus who daily went into the temple and honored God by going into the temple. I don't understand how a person could say they love the, the Savior without loving the church. I mentioned the Jesus movement among these young people that I've been reading about out in California in particular. And in this area, some with their long hair and beards and their rock uh, music, they sing... Uh, uh, we'll all go marching in, marching to Zion, or when the saints go marching in, oh, happy day, they sing that to the beat of rock music. It's an abomination of desolation. And uh, they baptize in the rivers. They ignore the church. They give no money to missions. They tithe no, no, no uh, income if they have any. Uh, they do nothing but just uh, talk about Jesus. And I'm afraid it's so shallow and superficial until it doesn't amount to that. I have no confidence in it. I have no confidence in any kind of Christian way that doesn't tie itself to the local church. And if that's treason, make the most of it. Somebody said, I, I wanted somebody to the Lord. I, I talking to a man the other day who said, I wanted so many, so, so many people to God. I said, what church did they join? Oh, but they didn't join any church. I wouldn't give that much for a man's salvation that doesn't lead him into the church now. Now, you may have to wait a week or two to get to church, or you may be sick. You may not be able to go right then. But if you've got old-time religion, you'll find a way to this church. Walk down this aisle, get out of this water with me. I just can't conceive of a person loving Jesus without loving God's house and God's people. An out-and-out Christian will love the church and love the services, love the singing. You may not care much for my preaching. Mrs. Jewell tonight said, Preacher, we enjoyed your sermon this morning. I said, Mrs. Jewell, my sermon was very feeble, I'm sure. Oh, but she said we enjoyed it. I appreciate her saying that. My sermons are feeble, I'm sure. But regardless of what my sermons may be, this is God's house. These are God's people. Amen. I think some of the finest I've ever known in all my life are seated before me right now. Devoted, godly, men of faith, women of grace are right here now. How in the world can you be right with God and not love this assembly, not love this congregation? You get right with God. You get a good case of salvation. It'll turn your footsteps toward the house of God every time. And if it doesn't, you need to examine yourself. Amen. And then last, an out-and-out Christian will praise the Lord. Verse 12, my foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. Now I want you to look at that. In the congregations. Now that implies among other of God's believing children. Will I bless the Lord? Now there's nothing wrong with God's people praising the Lord. And the psalmist said, I'm going to praise God in the congregation. Now if the psalmist had had a pastor like some Baptist preachers, I know he'd have never got it done, would he? The deacons would have tapped him on the shoulder and said, we'll carry you out. That would have been awful. The psalmist would have gotten himself in a jam, wouldn't he? And yet the psalmist said, in the congregation will I bless the Lord. Well, why can't we bless the Lord in the congregation? We sing, 
We preach. We tithe. We fellowship together. And Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. He's a wonderful Savior. Brother, he did for me what mother couldn't do and dad couldn't do and friend couldn't do. He's my Savior. Has been and is now and will be. Why can't I bless the Lord? I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. Why can't I bless God in the congregation? Why can't you bless God in the congregation? You get a good case of it, you will, <laughs> one way or another. It wouldn't hurt you. You won't deny that he's worthy, will you? You know anybody better than Jesus? You think Nixon is better? I don't think so. I don't think there ever has been anybody better than Jesus. He's the greatest, brother. He's number one. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I long to see his face, and someday I shall. He's a wonderful Savior to me. And it wouldn't hurt the last one of us to get in our rooms and close the door and just say, Lord, I love you. Say it out loud. Jesus, I love you. No, there's nobody around. That wouldn't hurt anything. He's around, you see. Somebody may hear me say that, preacher. Oh, that'll be all right. Might help them if they could hear you say, Jesus, I love you. A man that's out and out for God will sometimes, some way, praise the Lord. Some way, you're going to praise God. In the congregation, will I bless the Lord, said the psalmist. And we ought to do that. Now, I've mentioned seven things that are features of an out-and-out -out Christian. Not just a, a normal Christian, lukewarm Christian, but a man that's all the way for the Lord, just sold out for God. Does these seven things characterize your life? And let's ask God to help us be the Christian we ought to be. Our Father, we pray that you'll help us to search out and examine ourselves we thank you for listening to the Tabernacle Pulpit Podcast. If this sermon was a blessing to you, please share and invite others to listen and join us next time on the Tabernacle Pulpit Podcast.